I'm Arafat and I'm in the UK. And I'm Mohammed and I'm in the US. And you're listening to Slow Pit Stop. Hello and welcome to Slow Pit Stop, the international Formula One podcast made by fans for fans all around the world. My name's Arafat and as always I'm joined by my co-host Mohammed. Say hi Mohammed. Hi Mohammed. How have you been doing? You know I'm very upset, Arafat. Do you want to know why I'm very upset? Why are you very upset? Because of this new podcast, The Fast and the Curious. I know. They're going to have I... Lewis Hamilton on their like second episode ever. We've been doing this for three seasons and Lewis hasn't come on. How come? What's the difference? It's wild. Um, I think we don't have the budget that the BBC has. Oh, okay. So <laughs> they, just, <laughs> they, they just like parked a truck of money in front of his house his every single house that he owns maybe maybe (laughs) should we should we get into formula one so like you said Mm. we're in season three of our podcast now for people that have stuck with us this whole time thank you for your continued support and for new listeners it's about to get weird (laughs) okay bbc sport reported now that testing is done that max verstappen was oozing confidence how do we feel about that? Yeah, um, that's a whole other conversation that I'm going to be having uh, in just a couple minutes with our other guest for the episode, who you have not introduced, who is sitting here waiting quietly, uh, F1 He's Jordan. He's definitely here. He's definitely here right now. He's just being quiet. <laughs> it's not It's not that this was pre-recorded or anything. No, no, no. He, he's sitting with us right now, but he's not L- Listen anything. to that. Listen to that. He just high-fived me. Yeah. <laughs> yes so we'll be talking about testing and all of our thoughts on testing and then doing some preseason predictions with jordan uh in just a few minutes we're gonna take the duct tape off his mouth and and let him give us his opinions um but yeah i'm sure we'll talk all about how he's oozing all kinds of things but should we get into the news first yeah so the race.com reported that alpha towery may be up for sale or red Mm. bull might just move the whole thing to the uk from Italy and incorporate it into their own headquarters as some sort of literally as their B team. How do we feel about this? I guess I'm, I like never fully understood how the marketing machine of Red Bull works. They bought an entire F1 team to market their drink and then they bought an entire second F1 team. So they're saying that AlphaTauri is no longer the return on investment for their drink sales. Like, what, is that, what does that mean? <laughs> like, what were they expecting their drink sales to mean once they bought AlphaTauri? I don't, or were they trying to sell their clothes with AlphaTauri and nobody's buying their clothes? I'm very confused. Yeah, I think they were trying to sell the clothes with AlphaTauri. Toro Rosso, when it existed, was about the junior drivers. You know, the idea was it, it's a testing ground for junior drivers. And if they're good, like Vettel, like Verstappen, Ricardo they move up into the Red Bull team. Yeah. But now that the owner, Dietrich Mateschitz, has died, there's a lot of uncertainty. Because I think a lot of it was he, he he loved racing and he I think he, like you said, maybe it doesn't entirely make sense out of a business point of view. Mm-hmm. But he was so rich, I think he maybe had a bit of a soft spot for them. And, you know, it was a good thing. He saved that team from bankruptcy, all those people's jobs, all that kind of stuff. The real problem comes if they move to Milton Keynes and properly mix with the Red Bull team. Yeah. Red Bull has 50 employees, Red Bull Racing. Red Bull Technologies has like hundreds and hundreds of employees. That's the way they've done it. Mm. And this all comes under the weird grey areas of the cost cap. Mm-hmm. Like let's say Ferrari decide to uh, make a road car based on 
uh, Formula One parts. Like Mercedes has done this. Mercedes have mm-hmm. made the Project One, that race car with a Formula mm-hmm. One engine. Now, let's say they accidentally discover something that would be really good for their Formula One car. Yeah, excellent. And they decide to put it on. They've just totally bypassed the cost cap because they're like, oh, no, 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 this wasn't part of the race team's budget. This was just (laughs) Mercedes' budget. So the fear is, will Red Bull use this for some sort of shenanigans like that? Um, Mm. Because AlphaTauri's wind tunnel is already on Red Bull's premises. Mm -hmm. You know, technically you're not supposed to share information, but you can't stop people talking in the canteen. Mm-hmm. So my hope is that they just sell the team and let an entirely different entity like uh, Andretti come into Formula One. What do you think? Yeah, I, I did see that Andretti is one of the interested teams in buying it. And I think that would be really cool because I think they've been trying to get in for a while. And I think that if Red Bull can come into Formula One as a drinks company and buy up all the appropriate infrastructure and do it and win championships and I don't know why Andretti can't and they have a a racing enterprise behind them so I don't know I I still don't fully understand the mechanics because AlphaTauri is still their B team so if they sell it how is that getting any more corrupt but yeah maybe just the money from the sale you know maybe that's how they're gonna they're gonna use that more creatively but yeah pretty crazy let's see how it pans out Mohammed yes Max Verstappen is oozing so there was a story on Sky and BBC um, about Vettel making a shock return with Aston Martin. Yeah, It was later walked back and the BBC later confirmed it would be Felipe Drogovic who will be racing instead of Stroll. Oh, they announced it for Bahrain? They announced it, yeah. So why don't you let people oh. know why what's happened with Stroll and what's going on? Well, I didn't know. Now I'm sad. I really was thinking that... Okay, anyway... So I guess Stroll was riding a bike in France or something and then... I think it was like, Spain. Spain. Oh, you know, it has to be Spain because I think that's where Fernando Alonso got into his accident last year with Spain. Um, so, yeah, he was riding his bike in Spain. He got hit by a car. He broke both of his wrists. And, um, yeah, he was like, I guess I'm out. Um, I think it was one wrist. <laughs> I, I don't think it's both. both. I, th- I thought it was both. I'm not sure if he's injured it. I thought it was both his wrists. But anyway, yeah. So, I mean, he's out for the first race. But I think if you even if you break one wrist, are you going to be racing a Formula 1 car in a week? He's probably out for two or three races. I'm surprised that Seb isn't coming back. I It's probably because, like, he is trying to be firm with his I'm not going to F1. Like, imagine you made this whole thing about retiring and then it's, like, the very next race and they're already back. That's probably what happened with him. <laughs> Yeah, so I I thought it was quite exciting, the idea of Vettel coming back. And it's funny, because I remember talking to you about this before, like Vettel was a proper pantomime villain of Formula One years ago. Um, I probably hated him. I used to get annoyed when he put his little finger up every time you won a race. And that's what what makes me wonder, how will I feel about Verstappen 10 years from now? The Um, difference is that once Vettel won four championships, I think he was kind of like, okay, I'm good. Yeah, he mellowed. Yeah, yeah. It depends on if Verstappen stays hungry or if he mellows. Yeah. Could go either way. Yeah. Uh, definitely could go either way. So, um, Mohammed. Yes. Verstappen is oozing. <laughs> I, knew, I knew it was coming. I was going <laughs> to say, don't say it. And then you said it anyway. He's oozing, Mohammed. He's oozing. Stop. I'm um, going to mute the mic. Okay. Autosport reported <laughs> yeah. this week. That Lewis Hamilton thinks F1 has embarked on a dangerous and pointless exercise in its quest to ban tire blankets. Is that where you're going with it? Yeah. The quote from him is, I think it's dangerous. I've tested the no blankets and there's going to be an incident at some stage. So I think it's the wrong decision. 
I think I was listening to um the guy who runs Pirelli Motorsport. I forgot his name. It's Mario something. Mario Zola. Yes, Mario Zola. So he was saying that like the new tires are designed. Well, at least the new wet tire is designed to not need a blanket. So I guess the trade-off is if they can make all their tires. You know, which side note, the fact that they've introduced a new compound C0 or C1, I think, and then they made the old C1 C0 has thrown off everything. Because now anytime they talk about he's on the C3 tire, in my mind, I'm like, okay, so that's the old C4 tire. Wait, nope, they didn't change the C3. Or did they change the C3? Is it now the C2? I don't care so much about the C1, C2, C3. You know, for a little while, they had hard, medium, soft, ultra like soft super hyper soft. soft, ultra soft, super yeah. soft. And I just hate it so much. I was like, which is more hypersoft or ultrasoft or what? So now <laughs> that it's just uh, yellow, white, red, that's all I care about. I don't, all this <laughs> C1, C2. But the, the tire thing, basically to save energy and resources, bit by bit, they're trying to remove these tire blankets. So, you know, you've got the tires. Before they go out, they put these blankets mm-hmm. on them to heat them up and bring them up to temperature. So in 2021, the maximum temperature was used to 100 degrees um, Celsius which in America is like four. A normal hours. temperature. Please don't act like Fahrenheit is worse than Celsius. Let's keep this going before I lose it. <laughs> but yeah, so then we're going to reduce it to 80, then 70. Um, and then the gradual plan is, I think, 2024 to remove them altogether. Yeah. I mean, that's a, like I said, the trade-off is if they make the tires be okay. Because if not, then you he's yeah. right. Lewis is right. You're going to have all these incidents. I, th- I think the issue is because they, they removed them in Formula 2 altogether. But your your man, Mario Zola, said, you know, you can't compare because F2 tires, they're inflated to 13 to 15 PSI. Hmm. Um, and then as they go out and they get all the forces put through them, they rise up to 20. So there's a rise oh, of wow. about five to eight, right? Mm-hmm. But in a Formula One car, the rise is much higher. It's like 10, hmm. 20 because the forces going through them are so much higher. So, yeah, so they have to start at 20, 21 and the pressure quickly climbs over 30. So you can't suddenly go out because your tire will suddenly inflate and then mm-hmm. burst and explode on you. Or you're going to be going so slow to start with to mm-hmm. gradually heat your tires that someone else is going to come and slam into the back of you because they're not expecting yeah. you to go. So on principle, I'm not against banning tire blankets, mm-hmm. but they need to make sure they have the tire that, and the technology that can exactly. cope with that idea. It won't last one race if they do that without the correct tires because nobody's going to want to race like that. That was the trade-off of getting one tire manufacturer. See, if it was the old days where it was like Bridgestone and Michelin and Pirelli, then, okay, everyone would just switch to Bridgestone. But now that that's not a thing anymore, like, nobody would go along with it. So, yeah, it's just a thing. What's the next news item? Um, So, Mohammed. Verstappen is oozing. What? Why? God. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? What? Why? I've told you. (laughs) Well, I'm going to meet you. But he's yeah, oozing. I, I need he's you to oozing. think about how much he's oozing. But <laughs> there was a, a meeting of the F1 commission where they discussed and uh, formalized a lot of different rules and things. As you mentioned, the new wet weather tires, some certain track modifications were agreed. Today, some news came out about the Spanish uh, Grand Prix having a yeah. slightly different layout, yeah. the same one that the MotoGP people use. Yeah. Um, they're going to introduce a winter shutdown, so a forced Christmas oh. holiday. On the, we have a, a forced summer holiday where people yeah. can't work for two weeks. There's going to be a forced winter shutdown. Huh. Um, they amended the point system to, to avoid confusion like Japan last year. Oh, so what what is it now? So basically, remember last year there was a situation where the race was sort of suspended. Yeah. And but then, then it, restarted. 
but they never got to a full distance. Yeah, and they yeah. all got full, full points. They got full points because of the way, yeah, because yeah. the way the race, the rules were worded, um, it was if a race is suspended before it can be finished, you get like half points or yeah. a proportion of the points. But because this race was suspended and then resumed, technically that wasn't in the wording of the rules. Um, hmm. Madness. So anyway, they they fixed they fixed their their grammar or whatever it was, um, and they've agreed some park ferme details for sprint events, which I'm sure will be thoroughly exciting. But the the main highlight of this is your your friend MBS. Hmm. You can say his name because you love it. Um, he was absent. He forgot to show up. <sighs> did he forget, or would, did he purposely not show up? I don't understand what's going on with him. It, it, I I kind of take his side. In this, because I know, I know that you know, as Lewis Hamilton fans, we're not supposed to like MBS because he was mean to Lewis. But I feel like what he did was he was getting this unfair pushback from like Liberty Media or from like F1 or whatever, and he was like, "Fine, I'm just gonna be very vocal in public." And he's caught in this battle now between them, and now they want to go for his head, and they're digging up all this dirt around him, and they're trying, you know, it's just like a, it's like a political war, and. I don't know. I'm kind of on his side because like, I don't know what do I trust him more or Liberty Media who sold to Drive to Survive more. Like, I don't think either of them really have F1's best interests at heart. But I'm gonna I'm gonna take my my friend's side in all this. Well, I remember when Formula One was run by CVC. Is that what Ooh. they were called? CQC, CVC Capital, something. I don't know what that is. It was some investment, someone. Anyway, they ran Formula One into the ground. <laughs> so liberty media has been a huge saving for formula one yeah genuinely so many more so many things are better and yeah they're a big evil corporation they're only interested in profit but they they're aware their their route to profit is to make fans mm-hmm. happy mm-hmm. so i'm fine with that but like you said it, it's become this whole big political mess um and the problem is with this whole political situation is a suddenly power shift from the president to other people because like you said people are digging up dirt mm-hmm. there's all these backroom chats going on he's not showing up to meetings and i feel like certain things need strong decisive leadership mm-hmm. because formula one's in a weird situation where all the teams have an opinion mm-hmm. and they're only going to advocate for the thing that's best yeah, for their team yeah, yeah and i like the structure where you have someone like stefano domenicali you've got ross braun and all that crew people that are independent of the teams working for the sport itself yeah and I think this whole sorry situation where the president now doesn't even come to meetings and things yeah. is not that I think, I don't really have an opinion, I don't care, but not that I think he necessarily needs to be the person. But I think to have a situation where the president is neutered is yeah. probably not great for the sport. Yeah. I don't know exactly how it started because I remember like they put out some news and then he went public. Basically, he was too excited on Twitter. He had, like, all the PR skills of Donald Trump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. If, if he's replaced with someone who can at least have firm leadership, then I, mean, I don't have no loyalty to... Yeah. Do you have MBS? Is that what is that what the other guy's name is, too? The, the Saudi one? guy, yeah. They're both yeah. MBS. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was like... I got confused for a sec, but, yeah... Um, you know, I don't know. I have no allegiance to him. You know, replace him with Stefano Domenicali. That'd be really good. Yeah. Um, fine. But I think that's all the news for today, apart from one last thing. Mm-hmm. Verstappen is oozing. And with that, let's get to our guest for the day. 
here, everyone, is our well, guest. I have to be quiet now because you're upset yeah, with me. You, no, I need you. To, I need you to not talk for thirty to fifty-five minutes. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. <laughs> Shh. I have with me someone even more exciting. You probably know him from his uh, username on Twitter. This is Twitter celebrity and senior uh, leader in the Team LH movement, F1 Jordan. How are you doing, F1 Jordan? I'm doing great after that intro, I love that. Um, but I couldn't be happier because it's the first race week of the year, so uh, all excited and ready to go again, all refreshed, so really looking forward to it. You know, like, at the end of last season, I was so not looking forward to ever watching F1 again, and then all of a sudden it's race week and I'm so excited, like, it all yeah. came back to me. <laughs> yeah, that, that mental reset definitely happened at the right time, I think everyone was obviously quite frustrated with how last season just tailed off didn't it after a promising start to the year i guess um, yeah exactly i'll be one of the most predictable seasons but we're back now after a reset so yeah looking forward to finding out um the true pecking order so testing has just yep. finished a couple of days ago uh and we've had a chance kind of to look at all of the cars on the track and see their strengths their weaknesses at least as much as they will show it to us so i thought we'd go over the top six teams at least what i've uh, predict will be the top six teams and then maybe towards the end we'll talk about some predictions for how the rest of the season is going to go so top six teams we'll, we'll split it into the top of the field which is red bull ferrari mercedes and then we'll go to the midfield and do aston martin alpine mclaren which incidentally is how i think the order is going to be but we'll, we'll talk about that later so starting with red bull our our best friends you know the team that we support all the time red bull oh, yeah i love them so much <laughs> Uh, so we didn't get to see the car or the livery at the reveal because everything was old. But then they came out with the car, and it's not very different from last year's car. So let's start with that. What What are your takes on the actual Red Bull 19? Yeah, well, I mean, pretty much it is the same car, except they've changed the floor. Um, from the outside anyway, obviously, there's a lot of mechanical changes maybe underneath. Um, but they had such a perfect package. I mean, why fix what's broken? There's definitely mm. evolution. And uh, I think that's really been the story of their test. There's not much to say about them because they had such an optimised car already. Mm. Or, you know, they could hit the ground running straight away and they knew the package they were working with. They didn't have to really explore the setup or find out anything particularly new about this car because they already knew it, really. Um, and that's just allowed them to um, have probably, this, you know, one of the smoothest tests um, and I think I think what we saw from them was very predictable. I don't think anyone would not have put them as the favourite, really, um, mm. the obvious favourite uh, going into testing without seeing the rest of the cars. Um, and yeah, um, you would have to say that, you know, rightly so, they look like the strongest package at the moment. But um, they were last year as well seen as that in testing. They had such a smooth test last year, the second mm. test. Maybe the first test was a bit shaky. And people put them as a favourite then. And then obviously the first race of the season, something different happened. So you still can never be quite sure. But obviously they're going to be very fast. And they're going to win races. And they're going to be their main championship favourite. So there's no doubt about that. You know, so typically when you look at the history of who wins testing, um, yeah. the whoever wins testing doesn't usually go on to win the season yeah, there's true, a couple yeah. exceptions like mercedes did it a couple times 2020 notably they had the dominant w11 so last year red bull won testing and then they went on to win the championship because they were just so dominant specifically in the yeah. second half do you feel like them yeah because i think they're the clear winners of testing this year do you think mm. that's a good indicator that they're going on to dominate this year or do you think that we could have some wild cards 
Well, I think it's a good indicator that um, they will start the season strongly, but not necessarily as favourites. And the championship, I'm hoping, will be won with a development war. So, mm. like last year, you know, they turned it around. They found something extra after the summer break, I think, mm. which just totally blew Ferrari out of the water. Um, and I think, I think hopefully, you know, they might not go into favourites, go in as favourites in the first race, but it shows that they will again be able to develop themselves into possibly a dominant force. Um, that was actually my next question is the development more because, you know, yeah. people talk about, they've been saying it, especially on like, you know, the, the big podcast, not our podcast, but they're saying that this is the era of Red Bull domination, the way we had the era of Mercedes domination. Typically one team picks up the ball and they run away with it. But, you know, I was thinking back to, you know, years ago, like 2019, when Ferrari had a stronger car at the beginning of the season and Mercedes had to outdevelop yeah. Ferrari. So do you think that Red Bull is a team that is capable of getting outdeveloped? Um, Not by Ferrari. I've not seen any evidence (laughs) of that. (laughs) Fortunately, I mean, that's the truth, isn't it? They have a very bad history Mm -hmm. in the recent era of just being completely outdeveloped as the season goes on. Um, Like, you know, uh, for example, 2018, Mercedes and 2019, um, middle of the season, Mercedes comes out with a big upgrade package. Ferrari puts theirs on. Oh, it's not working. Ferrari then spend four races losing and then they revert. And then suddenly the car's actually working better than when they upgraded it. So that is one of their weaknesses. And until we've seen that that weakness is ironed out, then you know we can't we can't put them down as someone who can outdevelop Red Bull. Mercedes, however, have done it. Mm. They've shown that they are very strong at developing. And even last year. They made huge progress mm. and converted themselves into race winners. So, you know, if, yeah. if if they start the season much closer, you would have to think that Mercedes will, like Red Bull have done in the past as well, in reverse, mm. go on to match each other. And, um, you know, hopefully, at least by the end of the season, have something, you know, a, a real championship fight or a real championship case. Yeah. So I, I wanted to talk about Mercedes a little bit later, but since we're on the topic yeah. anyway, let's just get to Mercedes and then we'll get to back to Ferrari in a little yeah. bit. But okay, so we've seen the W14 and it is pretty different than the W13. You yeah. can't say the same that it was the, as the Red Bull. They've changed the body significantly. They pretty much kept the no side pod concept. Um, yeah. And it, so, so a couple things. One, their big improvement, at least from testing, seems to be that they've eliminated the porpoising. I think we talked yep. to I think we talked to you last year and you told us that you know the porpoising was it was the major thing that was that was what they had to solve in order to have a chance at the championship and it took them half a year to fix that so it looks like now they've got a car that's not porpoising is this enough now of a starting base for Mercedes or do you think we have one more development year before we get to a, a championship winning car? Well, it's it's definitely the starting point um, because now they understand actually how to build a ground effect car without mm-hmm. you know uh, massive drivability issues. Yeah. The the question for them once they fixed it was always going to be how much downforce were we going to lose by mm-hmm. fixing this and can we recover that quickly? Mm. So that you know their target over this winter would have one hundred percent been quick recover as much downforce as we can that we lost because we made basically they made the assumption that you know they could have it running on the ground as far as possible, maximise ground effect with this flexible floor that didn't work. And then when, you know, they've had to raise the car a little bit and go in a bit of a different direction, they've lost a ton of downforce there that they planned to start with last year. So now, you know, they're always playing catch-up. 
And from now on in, it's just a case of how quickly can they develop. I don't see, you know, anything other than forward progress because it's just a matter of how quickly that progress is. Mm-hmm. Obviously, in a year, you can only do so much, so many man hours, so many wind tunnel hours, um, so many, so many things. Budget, so, which we actually abide by. Um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we abide by the rules, yeah. And yeah, we spend the right amount of money. <laughs> yeah. Um, um so yeah, I, I think that you know, they're one hundred percent on the right path now. The question is how much time? Hmm. Um and I, Formula One really doesn't want it to take what, three or four years? And they changed the regs again in twenty twenty six, the engine regs, and suddenly we've got someone else because that's just repeating the cycle we had before. Hmm. For the good of the sport it needs to happen as soon as possible, hmm. um, really. Um and, you know, we don't want anyone running away with it for the next two years before we change the regs again. Yeah. So we'll get to the regulations a little bit later when we talk about the overall season. But you brought up an interesting point. We did see some issues on the second day for Mercedes. They had that notable hydraulic failure. And yeah, yeah. So what do you make of that? Is that pretty normal, you know, to come out of testing because you are pushing the engine, the, the power unit in, in other ways? Or because Total Wolf said, yeah. you know, he's very, Total Wolf is, is very dramatic. The more I watch Formula One, the more I realize yeah. he's, a little, he's a touch dramatic. And he was just like, oh, we've got no idea what caused this. We are in a precarious situation. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, they have to have some idea, right? Or no? Yeah, well, well, they they probably they probably are. Um, it pro- probably right they have no idea, but the reality is it's it's Formula One. They'll find out very very quickly. Right, right. Like, you know, if they if they're really worried that that could happen again, it's uh, like a repeatable failure. They'll set up a task force at the factory to look at that not uh, day in day out until they have an answer. And uh, you know, I don't think things like that, like a hydraulic pump failing, is going to take months and months to figure out what happened. Uh, I mean, the reality is these kind of issues happen because they build their cars without running them, running them on a track. So it's all about the theory and uh, physical simulation, which is not, you know, it's an approximation of the real world. So um, I think this was said in commentary the other day, and, and, you know, I think it sums it up perfectly. Like, you never know until the car hits the track because there's a little vibration from going over a curb or, you know, hitting the side of the track or... Um, just the general vibration as it moves over the road. And that, you know, that causes things in the car that were not in the simulation. And that's where you get these component failures because um, it's extra forces, um, extra variables that are not accounted for in a simulation. And that's 100% what testing is for. Um, it, it's bound to happen. You're bound to have these reliability issues. To only have one reliability issue for the whole weekend, in my opinion, mm-hmm. um, for for them is is not a disaster at all. They'll yeah. like I say they'll have somebody working on this, and I'm pretty sure they will have fixed it or at least mitigated it for the first race to the point where they're happy they'll get through the weekend. Then they can you know easily work on that. And uh, okay, so the last thing we'll talk about Mercedes, and then we got to get to Ferrari, uh, which I know you touched on Ferrari a little bit, but with Mercedes, there's all these rumors that the zero the zero pod concept is being developed so it's not going to stay this way that we know of it right now and whether it be baku whether it be silverstone at a certain point a b-spec car is going to come out that has radically different side pods or at least somewhat different side pods what is your take on that is there anything else that you know um so i think i think from what i've read it sounds like it's going to be their own unique design it's not going to be a complete copy of the red bull Mm -hmm. like it's not going to be 
you know, kind of like the Aston Martin was last year when they did that great package and everyone was just like, they've literally just copied Red Bull. It's not going to be that. Um, but they are, I think they're going to have more um, obvious sculpting of the side pods, which they don't have now. Mm. If you think about the Red Bull, it's got this very clear channel mm. where mm. the air goes underneath it because it's sculpted. I think we'll have something like that, but not as extreme and something unique. And uh, yeah, um, that's what, what I've read about anyway. And it sounds like that will be coming... Well, Imola was what I, I thought when I looked at the list of races, the most obvious candidate. But it sounds like because they know where they are now after testing, they're actually pushing to move it forward to Baku mm. just to make themselves that extra bit more competitive. And, you know, from everything that George has been saying especially... I think Lewis and Toto and Mike Elliott have been a bit more candid, but George was like, we will be in a position to challenge for the championship when this is here. Mm-hmm. So he seems very optimistic about it. Um, and obviously not, not every upgrade works, but I think for the most part, Mercedes upgrades always tend to work. Um, so mm. you'd, have, you'd have to be very excited about that um, and hope that you know it comes true what George is saying and gives us... a. Uh, a car that puts them right there with the Red Bull. Yeah. I guess the big question for me is last year we had the first car revealed in Barcelona at the shakedown. Uh, and then there was a second car, which is the one we know now, the W13. And everyone was saying, oh, the Barcelona car, bring that back out. That was faster. And then Toto yeah. went, well, actually, no, I could tell you that this was faster than that. It just so happens we have new problems in this car. So, But they're essentially testing a car right now that they won't race with after Imola yeah. or Baku, because they're going to have a new, like, sort of B-spec car coming out. Is that, is there issues with that, with not testing this car that, you know? Well, if you're, if you're so confident that your correlation with the wind tunnel is right, mm-hmm. then there's no issues with that at all, because in theory, exactly what you've seen at the factory is what you'll see on the racetrack. Yeah. And that's the problem they had last year, which obviously they, they now believe they fixed, and it appears they have. Mm-hmm. In their wind tunnels was, was telling him that this car with the no side pods was, well, it was up to a second or maybe two seconds faster than the one they bought in the first test. Mm. And that would have really, you know, put them as clear favourites. Well, that just didn't happen because there were these variables that they hadn't accounted for. Yeah. Now they're confident that they've got the platform. They understand. They can just bring upgrades. Like, if you think about it, until they understood the W13 a little bit more. They didn't bring an upgrade package. Yep. They wanted to understand what, why it was wrong because there's no point um, continuing to invest in upgrades if you have no idea if they're going to work. Yeah. Now they've got that. In theory, it's not an issue because in testing, they've validated the baseline and the baseline is good. Yeah. So now they've got something to work with in the season. And yeah, I don't think it'd be an issue that they haven't tested that because they're happy that uh, what they see at the factory is now what they see at the track. Yeah. So we'll talk a little bit later. We'll predict how we think Mercedes will do um, in, in the, the order of things. But we'll get to yeah. let's get to Ferrari because that's the last team up in the mid yeah. top of the field. They had a, an, an interesting test, I think, because they were fast. They were never faster than Red Bull. And then there were all of these yeah. issues about tire degradation. And then some people were saying that, you know, this is Ferrari exaggerating their problems on purpose to mm-hmm. find out, you know, what's the limit we can push to. Um, and that Ferrari is actually a little bit of a sleeper cell. Like, they, they can be a lot faster than they're the ones with the sandbags, so to speak. How did yeah. you find the Ferrari test one? Yeah, they were, they were a bit quiet, really. They weren't under the radar mm-hmm. for a lot of it. Um, certainly their car 
from a drivability point, no longer looks like you know it's at the level of both Mercedes or Red Bull. Mm. It looks like way more of a handful to drive. Mm. Um, it doesn't seem to cope with with uh, the bumps in the track well. The suspension's not very compliant, mm. and uh, I think I actually read that um, they think they've got a problem on the front axle where mm. they are susceptible still to a lot of bouncing and a lot of um, issues there. Um, which could, you know, could present an issue for them. But it still seemed like they had the ultimate pace, despite that. For testing, there's always the argument that you actually want to do something bad, yeah. so then you know where you shouldn't go with the setup, and you want to find the optimal parameters, and, you know, there's always a bit of trial and error mm-hmm. with, with all of this. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's something to look out for in the first race. How is our race pace going to be? I would say um, if Mercedes are going to have a chance... Um, to have a good result it will probably be that the Ferrari does struggle in race pace and Mercedes are able to make something happen in the race mm. to beat the Ferraris you don't see any differences with uh, Ineaki Roeda being moved back to uh, Marinello with Frederick yeah. Bessier coming in do you think that these are these are the, the shot in the arm that Ferrari needed to kind of fix some of their yeah. organizational issues yeah yeah, I think they don't, I mean, it was 100%. They needed to change the strategy team. Something had to change. Yeah. They couldn't have kept it that way. Um, and, yeah, the, you know, the strategy, there's always going to be one person or two or three people responsible for that. And ultimately, I think, in this case, the heads had to roll because it mm. was just so bad. Mm. Um, I'm going back to Drive to Survive, actually. I think one of the things that was interesting from Drive to Survive is how much Matteo Benotto denied there being any problems there and it was so clear to me that uh, he also needs to be sacked because he was just in denial all the time yeah. about the state of that and you, you know you see Fred Vasseurs come in and he's made that change instantly I think everybody else in the entire world would have said that was the most obvious thing to do to you know move Ferrari forward um, but obviously there might be a little bit of teething issues because he started in that in that position uh, but at the same time, Mercedes are also in a similar boat now with yeah. James Vowles gone. Yeah. And uh, I believe Rosie Waite is now the, the head of strategy. Um, he will be on the pit wall. So both of those teams have a bit of a yeah bedding in session. And obviously, I think especially on Ferrari's side, one of the issues as well has been communication between the team. Like They just don't talk to each other in a, in a consistent way. And it causes confusion and yeah. things between the, the garage and the pit wall and the, the drivers. Yeah. Uh, but all of that stuff, you know, it comes with experience. They have to get used to working with each yeah, other. Stop inventing, stop so, inventing, notably from yeah, last season. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think I think for both teams, Mercedes and Friday, there's going to be a bit of a... Mm, learning curve um, a little bit. Learning curve there, yeah. But the Formula 1 teams, you know, they should get used to it very quickly and yeah. know exactly what they need to, yeah. to get done. So, yeah. All right, so that is the top of our field. Well, let's talk, I guess, more yeah. briefly about the midfield just because... I mean, like, I wasn't really paying attention to Alpine or McLaren. and We'll start with yeah. Aston Martin. Aston Martin, if there is the opposite of sandbagging, if that's glory runs, that's pretty yeah. much all they did. It looks yeah. like, you know, people talking about faster than Mercedes, uh, you know, shock championship winner since Braun. What, what do you make of it? Is it all hype? Is there a lot of hype? Uh, a little bit. They're definitely not, in my opinion, going to be faster than Mercedes. There's no way. Yeah. I think... Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of talk about that, but it just doesn't seem realistic. Mm-hmm. 
Because if you work out what kind of improvement that would have to be, it would have to be almost a three-second improvement yeah. in one in one year. It just doesn't seem possible to me. And if that's happened, I would actually be very suspicious because <laughs> no other team has got anywhere close to yeah. that sort of improvement. Um, that it looks like they're going to be top of the midfield to start with for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say they're still going to be more than half a second away from Mercedes from the top three. So there's still going to be a bit of a gap there. Mm. For sure, and I think more so than um, more so than it being Aston Martin. I think it's always been a factor in Fernando Alonso's career yeah. that he loves a bit of showmanship in practice. I remember he used to do it at Ferrari. Um, you just randomly see his Ferrari at the top of testing, <laughs> uh, top of free practice. Sorry, yeah. and everyone was like, "Yeah, we know what you're up to. <laughs> it's uh, it's you again, Fernando." And um, so I think there was a bit of that, especially on that day when he went P2 or whatever. Yeah. Um, which kicked off all, all the hype, I think. Um, yeah, that's my take. And I, th- I think, you know, that's still a massive improvement for them. It's where they need to be. And certainly uh, going into next year, next season, puts them in a very interesting position, especially as this car is is apparently Dan Fallow's first car at Aston Martin, mm. who is the, you know, he was a senior aerodynamicist at Red Bull. Mm. He arguably knows the secrets of the current Red Bull. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's talk, actually, that um, one of the reasons why the Red Bull is so strong is they're able to run uh, 10 millimetres this year closer to the floor than anyone else, yeah. which is obviously going to give you way more downforce in, in the ground effect era. And there's been talk as well that Aston Martin have also shown that they can do that. Mm-hmm. And the link people have made is, oh, well, Dan Fellows has moved. So do... Uh, Red, both Red Bull and Aston Martin have a, a secret, a big secret that nobody else knows about, um, which may be responsible for the reason why they seem to be arguably most improved team or, you know, most uh, improved midfield team anyway, I would say. I guess my big question then is what about Alpine? Alpine was pretty fast last year. If it wasn't for yeah. reliability issues, they would have run away at the top of the midfield. Like there would have been no fight with McLaren. Um, and so I, they're still in the the picture. They had a really quiet test. I don't think anybody ever even saw anything from either of the drivers. But are they are they, are are they still in the picture, or is this Aston Martin, you know, coming clear even of Alpine? Yeah. Um, well, to be honest, I struggle to know where to place them. Really, there's always a team like that yeah. in in testing. I think, and I've read some stuff that goes well. Their you know their pace has been awful, and they're going to be really near the bottom of the midfield. And then I look at the F1 like final prediction that they've got and actually they're not that far away from Aston Martin mm-hmm. um, and I also heard rumours that um, they're actually planning to bring a, quite a big upgrade uh, for next weekend uh, sorry for this weekend I don't know if that will happen or not if it does they're arguably the only team doing that because nobody else mm-hmm. has apparently planned that and it would seem a bit odd to me that you would choose to run at the very circuit a completely different car mm-hmm. um so maybe that's just a nonsense rumor, but yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows? It doesn't look at least like they're going to start the season off where they finish, which is you know the the midfield leaders really, um, and it looks like they've fallen behind at least Aston Martin, mm-hmm. um, but also McLaren as well mm-hmm. seem to have had quite a bad test. So you know where does that leave them? We don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, that was my next question, was McLaren. Yeah. They had a horrible test last year, too. They also performed very poorly in 
the Bahrain season opener. I think they were like P eighteen and nineteen. Yeah, they had a terrible one. Yeah, yeah, it was just like, which is like shockingly bad. And it's funny because the year before they also topped the midfield, so it's, they also went yeah, down, yeah, so. yeah, it's cursed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do do you see McLaren falling any further than you know sixth, or is this just a bad test and they still have an okay car underneath it all? I, I think certainly um, there will not be good this week mm. and I think they, it's clear they, the car's not fast I mean even just listening to the drivers I think before we even hit testing Lando said something like the car's not where he wanted it mm. to be well if you're already making those noises you know before we even turned the wheel then obviously they they knew in the factory already they mm. hadn't got the results they wanted mm-hmm. um, and yeah they had that brake issue again as well I don't know why they don't seem to be able to build brakes um, <laughs> yeah. without having them fall apart in testing which hasn't helped, obviously, because that took away a ton of laps for them as well to actually find out about their car. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, again, they're going to have a very tough opening weekend. But if we look at last year, that's exactly what happened last year. Mm-hmm. And actually, they did you know, develop quite well. And they do seem to be good at improving throughout the season, as I'd expect for a team like that. But um, once again, they don't seem to be able to at least start strongly, which is... The thing that they really need to be able to push on, because they're always playing catch-up, it seems, across the year. Um, I think for McLaren to, to go any further, that's the thing they need to sort out, um, is the way they start a season and what car they put out on the track at the start of the year, because something isn't right there. Yeah. All right, so that is our midfield. I wanted to, to ask you for your predictions about how the entire constructors field will well we won't do the whole construct we'll do the top six teams how do you how would you rank or how do you predict the final ranking of the top six teams will be at the end of the season yeah so i am gonna say red bull will win the championship still okay um i'm hoping that's not a landslide but i feel like it might be too much of an ask i think the other teams are still in a transition year Mm -hmm. but i think arguably it might be Mercedes last transition year mm-hmm. so I'm going to put Mercedes a second because I think they will um, out develop Ferrari towards the end of the season and you know last year they were not that far away from yeah. Ferrari at the end of the year yeah. with a much worse car yeah. so I mean yeah we made the point I guess that the strategy is going to be better this year but I think just on merit Mercedes will probably emerge as the second fastest team mm-hmm. by the end of the year maybe there's a little bit of bias in that but <laughs> That, that's what I hope to see anyway. All but... good podcasts have a nice bit of bias to them, so I yeah. think that's okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'll put Ferrari third. Um, Aston Martin, I think, with that addition to Dan Fellows, which already appears to be working, I think they'll finish in that top of the midfield spot. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, I, th- I think I think they are building something there at Aston Martin. They have much bigger plans, I think, than everyone else, and they put so much investment in, and the people they're signing shows to me that they want to be a top team mm-hmm. and they are working towards that and it seems to be working. Um, so then I go Alpine and then the last one was difficult because Alfa Romeo also looked you know, pretty strong and they, they had a sh- strong year last year. Maybe didn't develop their car very well. Like they seemed mm-hmm. to fall behind very quickly. That's right, they were very strong in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, and then it fell away pretty quickly. Um, but they're another one that had a bit of a quiet test but then, again, you look at McLaren's rate of development mm. and you think, well, will they, will they get there by the end and, and catch um, Alfa Romeo? So I think maybe McLaren, mm. 
just because I think I think they they've got more of the resource than that factory has. Yeah. Um, and they're probably yeah going to develop there. They do seem to fix their issues quickly, so I, I will put McLaren in that spot. Um, and that that will probably be Alfa Romeo afterwards. Yeah. Uh, and then we got the you know the obvious bottom three. I think <laughs> some order of Haas, Williams, and Alfatori. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alfatori seem to have had a, a tough one yeah. and not really developed well yeah. this winter. Yeah, I am going to go slightly different than you. I'm going to say Red Bull wins the championship again. I do think it's going to be a lot closer. I don't think they're going to run away with it with like 200 points or whatever. But I think Mercedes will get that P2. I think it'll be an important step forward. And I think from next year, we'll be fighting for the championship again, hopefully. Um, And then Ferrari number three. And then for four, I'm actually going to go and say that Alpine... Alpine's biggest problem last year was reliability and they, their car just kept stopping and, and the power unit had issues. But this test, we haven't seen a lot of reliability issues from Alpine. So I'm hoping or maybe thinking that at least that they have gotten a hold of that. So maybe I think they'll put them at, at that at number four, Aston Martin number five, and then way behind them and have McLaren uh, number six. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask you to predict is, <laughs> this is the next big question. Who do you think is going to win the championship this year? Uh, well, unfortunately, I think it will be Max again, yeah. Um, yeah. just because, yeah, Red Bull are that little bit too far in front. I think I think what what the teams want to see, really, uh, both Ferrari and Mercedes, they want to see themselves um, convincingly winning races yeah. consistently, and if they see that, then they'll see themselves as championship runners for the season after. I mean, Ferrari would probably like to think they're going to challenge for the championship this year, but. You know, they've got a long way to go yeah. compared to, to where they finished last year. So I will go with Verstappen. Um, but then, uh, interestingly, I'm going to go with uh, Hamilton to get P2. Yeah. So I think he'll have a, a lot to prove this year with, you know, what happened at the start of the year um, with all those... Uh, a lot of it was, was, was bad luck, really. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of uh, safety cars that unfortunately cost him a lot of results beating George and thing. But yeah... Lewis, I mean, you know, he works very well with George and I think it's a great team, but he will still take be- being beaten by George very personally. And this year he will start the season off, I think, in a much more different way. I mean, he's not going to be focused firstly on mm-hmm. the setup or anything because I think they understand their car now. So they're just going to be racing for the points they know that are there. And then, I- and then I'll put Leclerc as, as third. Um, and I think... Possibly Russell in fourth, mm-hmm. um, and then we've got Science and Perez somewhere behind there. Who, who I see as, I mean, Science is a very good driver, but I just don't think he's probably at the caliber of, of a Russell. Mm-hmm. Um, he's more of a you know a very very solid driver than than something special like Russell. And and if Mercedes are going to finish that, um, you know, in that second place in the constructors, I think it makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, th- I mean, arguably, if Red Bull are well ahead of the competition though. Perez has got a great chance to mix it up in there as well. So who knows? Yeah. But I would like I would like to hope that, you know, Perez uh has a lot harder time of it this year because there's there's much more mixed field with the with the you know the way their cars are. I think the big question will be how well does George do compared to Leclerc? Because if you think about it like in a couple of years, that's gonna be really who's fighting each other. It's gonna be George and Leclerc. Yeah, definitely. I think so. That's probably the future of the sport. Yeah, so I, I think that'll be the big question. So I think I'm gonna agree with you that Verstappen will win his third. I don't think Ferrari will mount a challenge 
season wide. I, I just don't see it happening. I really hope Lewis is in P2 like you. I, I think he'll be there, and I really hope so. And I think he'll. Ha I hope he'll have multiple race wins to make up for the winless season from uh, last season. And then, uh, yeah, I think George Russell. I think I think it would be really good to see him third. I just I it really depends on if Ferrari fixes their other issues with their strategy and and their power unit and things like that. Um, because if you look at last year, and if you give this W14 and you say this is the car they had last year. I really I, I see Lewis and George being second and third last year, so that's how yeah. I think that'll shake out. And then Leclerc, Sainz, and Perez. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely it's very like in flux. You know, things could change. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask you is, we didn't have any shock podiums last year. Not really. We didn't have anyone who got on the podium and or won a race that was just so unexpected. Our biggest shock raceman was George Russell in Brazil, which is not like, shouldn't be a shock. You know, it should be expected. But who who do you have as the shock race winner or shock pole position or just shock anything? Well, I think, I mean, you're probably going to say different because you, you think Alpine will do a bit better. Yeah. But if Aston Martin really are as good as people think they are, then you would have to say that Fernando Alonso has a good chance mm. of doing something special and rolling back the years. I mean, certainly he has the talent to do that. Um, so I, I would say Fernando is, is the obvious choice, but that might be too safe. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I guess, you know, anything can happen if there's a lucky safety car or whatever. I mean, we had the McLarens win in those races yeah. years back and no one would have called that. So yeah. it could just be someone completely random. You say years so, back, but McLaren won a race two years ago. That that wasn't that long. Yeah, sorry, yeah it, was that, it was not that long ago, was it? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll just go with a completely random one then. So, <laughs> I don't know. Bottas is going to win a race again. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, I think I think Aston Martin has a chance in the beginning of the season, which kind of brings me to my next point. Have you heard of the season opener curse? The past five years, it actually yeah. goes a little bit further back than yeah, that, but yeah. there's some exceptions, particularly Lewis and Seb have some exceptions in there, but... Typically, whoever wins the season opener doesn't go on to win the championship. And last year, Charles Claire won the, the season opener. Everyone had pegged him as the favorite. He lost by a lot. The year before that, Lewis won the season opener. And nobody could have predicted, of course, how Abu Dhabi played out. And he didn't, unfortunately, win the championship. So who do you see winning the season opener? And do you see that curse holding true for one more year? Well, I've got a feeling Ferrari will win the season opener again. Mm. Um which would make sense if the curse continues. <laughs> yeah. um, just because, well, just looking at what happened last year, um, everyone said, actually, after the second test, that Max appeared to be the clear favourite to win the Bahrain Grand Prix. And then Ferrari came out with this pace that that nobody had actually predicted on, you know, on their estimates of, of what they'd seen in testing. And, you know, Ferrari had the pace. Um, and, yeah, um, Certainly as well, in recent Bahrain Grand Prix, a lot of the result has not come from qualifying, it's come from the race pace. Um, there's been, like, for example, if you look at Mercedes the year before, they had uh, they were quite far back in qualifying, yeah. but then in the race they came alive. Yeah. Um, and the race pace in Bahrain has a lot to do with the result, I think. And especially with it being the first race of the year, you get a lot of uh, people maybe not, understanding how to set up their cars optimally between the Saturday and the Sunday. Um, so, yeah, I, I will go with Ferrari to win the first race of the season. I think um, I think Red Bull will win it and the curse will be broken. Um, 
But I, you know what? I say that every year. <laughs> I've literally been yeah. saying that since Lewis won, you know, when he had that close battle with Max in 2021. I thought, oh, yeah, there's no there's no curse at the end of this year. And then I thought that last year with how dominant Charlotte Claire was. I thought, oh, yeah, there's no curse. So, you know what? I'm going for, yeah. for the safe option. I'm going to say Max wins it, and then he wins the championship. Um, yeah. Last question, and then we will let you go. How many wins do you think Lewis will have this season? Ooh. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I, I, I'll say what I'll be happy with, and I guess I'll go with that. Yeah. Um, so I'd be quite happy if he got uh, five wins, I think, which is a fair number. Um, I think that would show a good amount of progress. Um, it might be more difficult to come by uh, for the first four or five races. Uh, but after that, there'll be opportunities. Um, it's going to be difficult, and it's going to be few and far between, I think, because of just the fact that they're going to have to win yeah. them on a strategy, ultimately. If you look at last year, you still had plenty of chances where we thought, oh, yeah. oh you know what, Lewis is going to win this. So there's going to be those races, and I think this year, more of them will turn on to actually winning them, yeah. and they'll be much closer. Uh, five race wins would be a, a good recovery, um, and that, that's what I would hope. Um, I guess we, we've also got to factor in, you know, George being a factor in that mm-hmm. as well. Because if Lewis has got the car, George will no doubt be very fast in the same weekend. Yeah. Um, but I would be happy with that. So that's what I hope to see. Yeah. Um, what might happen, I guess, I guess all rides on how this upgrade package mm-hmm. works, really. Because um, I think that will be the crucial thing to turning Mercedes into consistent and predictable race winners. Yeah. I think this year he's going to be really eager to to prove himself that he's good. So I think three wins for Lewis and another three wins for George or two wins for George, something like that. But I do think Lewis will podium far more frequently. um, And that's how he's going to keep his P2 spot is just by consistently getting those P3s and P2s. And we even saw it last year when Mercedes had a string of podiums and Lewis was just podium, 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 at least six in a row. So that's how I think it's going to to shake out, but it'll be really exciting to, to re-listen to this at the end of the year and see what we got right and what we didn't get right. Anyway, thank you so much, Jordan, for joining us. Uh, if you guys want to follow Jordan, you can find him on Twitter at F1 Jordan. If you haven't already heard of him, he is a huge celebrity. And like I said, senior management within the team LH uh, organization. Hi. So those were our thoughts on F1 testing. I'm so grateful for Jordan for being able to join us. Arafat, I'm so happy you could stay quiet the entire time because I didn't want to hear your thoughts on F1 testing. But I do want to hear your predictions, the ones that we just did with Jordan. So um, let's go through the list again. Number one, uh, who who do you think is going to win the Constructors' Championship this year? Red Bull. And how, how would you rank the top six teams? So... Yeah, who who do you think is going to fill out the top six? So Red Bull first. Yeah. Mercedes second after a shaky first half of the season. Okay. Ferrari third. Mm-hmm. Alpine fourth. Aston mm. Martin fifth. You think Alpine will top the midfield? This is what I said too. Yeah. I think Alpine fourth. Aston Martin fifth. And I think sixth will be... Who will be sixth? McLaren? Alfa Romeo? Alfa Romeo, Bottas, Bottas and his mullet will get sixth. Oh my God. If McLaren falls to seventh, I will laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. It'll be the funniest thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's really bad because I I used to be such a huge McLaren fan. I remember where I was sat 
yeah. when I heard on the radio that Lewis Hamilton was leaving McLaren <sighs> and going to Mercedes. And I was like, but I work with McLaren. I go there and Lewis <laughs> is the driver I support. What am I supposed to do? Dehydration planning for Jensen. That's not what I signed up for. <laughs> um, so I remember sitting there really confused and, you know, I loved McLaren. I loved being at the McLaren Technology Center, all of that. I've always been rooting for them. But there's something about the current McLaren lot. I don't know. It just feels like it's not my McLaren anymore. And maybe it, maybe it's the tobacco sponsorship that's upset me as well. But yeah, yeah. I kind of want them to... <clears throat> no, it's, to a, it's a whole different... You know, have you seen Parks and Rec? Yeah. So you know at the end when they ask, like, Ron, why did you leave the Parks Department? And he's like, yeah. I, I looked around and I didn't recognize anyone anymore. It's the same yeah. thing for you. They're all gone. Who's yeah. at McLaren now that was there when you were... No one. They're all gone. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I understand it. I, I like how it. you asked if I watch Parks and Rec. I watch it once a year. <laughs> I can I, I know you watch a lot of TV, but I could not remember if Parks no, and Rec. No, was Office on I watch twice a year. And Parks and Rec I watch once a year. Okay. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, okay, let's do, so let's so let's do the next one. Um, who do you think is going to win the World Drivers Championship? Verstappen, unless something yeah. monumental. You you were so happens. like you were so confident last year when I asked you who's going to win both. You said Ferrari will win the constructors and Charles Leclerc will win <laughs> the drivers championship. You were so sure about it, <laughs> and you're I so know, sure about but, Verstappen. But. Yeah, I'm so sure their car is just a rocket right now. Okay, fair enough. And who do you think will come second? So, so Ooh. Jordan and I—I I know that you were had your—you couldn't hear us. Jordan and I both said Lewis would be second. We think that. Yeah, I yeah. think so. I was—I yeah. was gonna I, I, in my head. I said, I went automatically. Lewis will be second, and then I started trying to think. Who else? Could Leclerc beat him? Could Sainz beat him? All of these sort of things, combinations yeah. were going through my mind. And no, I think it'll be Well, him. no, I, I think it's doable. Because if you imagine that Lewis didn't do the setting, uh, the setup experiments in the first half of the season, yeah. uh, you can imagine he'd, he'd be, be right consistent. where... Yeah, he'd be where George Russell was. And George Russell was fighting yeah. uh, for, for second place. So I think it's it's reasonable. So And then who would you have as third and fourth? The After Lewis. Ooh... That's really a question of where will Russell come? Because I was going to automatically just say the Ferrari boys, but where will Russell? Yeah. What will he do? Mm-hmm. I will say Leclerc third, Russell fourth. No, Leclerc third, signs fourth. Ah, uh, okay. Okay, yeah, I'll take it. You okay? All right. So that's different than both. But Jordan and I said because we both said oh, George you know Russell. What would be lulls? What's that? If somehow, like that, by default puts Russell in fifth, and I think we would have all said Perez sixth. Imagine, imagine if somehow <laughs> Fernando Alonso was sixth and Perez was seventh. Oh my God, he's losing his seat to Daniel Ricardo. That's yeah. not even something I I discussed with uh, Jordan, but we will discuss it later. But yeah, that's so. Yeah, I I said uh, George would be third and. Uh, Jordan said uh, Charles Leclerc would be would be third. So yeah. you're going to agree with Jordan. So I, I'll take that. that. That's a fair thing. Okay. The next question is, who do you think is most likely to have a shock podium? Fernando Alonso. Mm. I think that's fair. I think that's what I said as well. I don't remember what I said. Yeah, Fernando Alonso. Uh, I think he's going to have a good year. Yeah. You think shock poles, shock podiums, shock, shock wins? Any shock wins? I don't think he'll get a shock. I think he... 
you know places it's difficult to overtake i think yeah. if he can get himself into a good position somewhere uh, like monaco, monaco. Or something baku. like that if he can ha- yeah. yeah baku that's the other one i was thinking of if those two if he can get himself in the right place at the right time i think he'll have yeah. a decent chance okay all right so we're all pretty unanimous on that that's mm. fun that's interesting okay now uh we were talking about this a little bit before and i and i did mention it to jordan but there is this curse have you heard of the bahrain curse no Ooh, curse is it <laughs> so to the- do with human rights <laughs> we're gonna lose all of our bahrain oil money now that you said right. that we're Sorry, making so bad. much i know that's how we Muhammad, keep the show on air Verstappen is oozing yeah <laughs> i feel like when you tasted the kombucha that's what i feel right now <laughs> so um, the the curse, curse is that whoever wins the opening race goes on to lose the championship and i always think that it's gonna fail because when lewis won bahrain in 2021 i thought he's winning the championship and then nobody could have predicted how abu dhabi played out and then when Verstappen or when charles leclerc won last year i was like he's so dominant there's no way he's losing the yeah. championship and then he lost the chance. So who do you think is well, winning the I remember race? when, because it was a thing, like anyone who's ever won the first three races has always gone on to win the championship. Yeah. And I remember in 2016, it got to the end of race three. Yeah. And I was so confident Lewis was going to win. And I was just like, wow, poor Rosberg. You know, he's just won the first three races <laughs> and he's going to be the first guy in history to win the first two races and still not win the championship. And I remember thinking that so clearly. <laughs> so who knows about these things? But yeah, um, who's going to win the first race? Yeah. Verstappen. And do you think he's going to win the championship? Yeah. Ah, he's so boring. That's So <laughs> I wanted Seb to come in, win the race, and then the curse continues. I thought, oh. Drugovic or Fernando yeah. Alonso. Fernando, let's, let, let's give him the win in Bahrain. Yeah. Fernando okay. Alonso. Fine. wins and the curse continues all right, right. let's see if that happens and the last question i have before we close out the episode how many wins do you think lewis hamilton will have this season four hmm. where do you think they'll happen monaco okay hungary you said that last year yep monaco hungary singapore brazil okay that's good. I think I was saying something similar because last year he had five potential wins. Brazil, Silverstone, Netherlands, uh, Mexico, uh, Austin. Those were like his yeah. five closest chances at a win. So I think I said three. I think he, he'll get to three. Um, but yes, I think that's good. That is our episode, everyone. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Remember to follow us at Slow Pit Stop on Twitter and Instagram. And we will see you here after the race. Bye. Bye. Oh, they're slow. It's a slow pit stop, Coffee. This has been a production for Not That Good Media.